Hi, everyone. My name is Carol, and I'm a member of Al-Anon. I was uh, getting nervous at dinner time, and I went to my room and had some prayer and meditation. And um, I was reinforced by the God of my understanding and given the courage to walk in here. And as I was walking through the door with Kitty, she gave me those words of hope. Just remember, Carol, we'll love you even if you fail. And I said, oh, my God. <laughs> I wanted to really run back to my room for a little bit more prayer and meditation, but there was no time. <laughs> It's been good for me to, to be here, and I want to thank you for being me. The special treat, because my husband, Jack, is also with me. Uh, I do do a lot of traveling, and I am away from home a lot of times. I am very busy living my, my program, and I'm excited about my life each day as it comes along. But I must tell you that I sometimes get over-involved in what I'm doing, and I, forgot, I forget to stop and say to those that are near and dear to me, I sometimes get too busy to listen to the words that they have to say. So we decided to come in on Tuesday. And what a perfect place to come when you want to have somebody listen to what you've got to say is to come to this beach <laughs> at this time of year. There was nobody around. <laughs> it was fun. We had a whole resort to ourselves. We had the beach and the water, and, of course, we took advantage of everything. What you feel is cold is warm to us. So we have had a good vacation, and we've had a lot of communication, and we've come to know each other just a little bit better. I share with you tonight my life, uh, what it was like, what happened to me, and what it is like today. Many of you have heard me before, and as the speaker said today, I believe it was Ellen, the past doesn't change. Uh, there are many stories that I don't tell. The few stories that I do tell are those that God has given me the ability to laugh at. There are stories that are locked deep in my sponsor's heart because I wasn't able to carry them by myself. And there are stories that Jack doesn't even know about, and I feel it serves no purpose to share them. So what I give to you today is what God has given me the ability to share. Came to L Actually, we came to AA um, 19 years ago in August. There was no Al-Anon in my area. I had no idea that there was anything wrong with me. And I have to tell you, I didn't get sick till I went to Al-Anon. <laughs> I thought I was quite well and handling everything quite well. You know, I didn't stop to look at my children to see that they were kind of crying a lot and nervous and uptight. It didn't dawn on me that maybe John's ulcers were caused by something that I had done, by the fact that I couldn't keep my mouth shut in the middle of the night. The, the little hints that he gave me, what, you know, like, Mama, don't answer them, keep your mouth shut. It didn't dawn on me that just because I had to prove to Jack I was right that it would affect him in any way. It wasn't until I came into the program that I was able to turn around and look and see what happened. Uh, again, through the program, I've been able to let go of a lot of that. I've been able to forgive myself and to look at the past for what it is and learn from it. And... Um, most of the past and the pain of the past and my crazy actions were caused by my overreaction to my husband's drinking. As I go on with my story, I hope to share with you how the reinforcements of the 12 steps allowed me to watch my son's drinking and not overreact to it and allow him to do and be what he had to be, even if it meant his life, which uh, there were times that we thought of that, that that's what the cost would be. 
Uh, but before I get into that part of it, I'd like to go back um, to when I was a teenager. Now, I'm not going to go year by year, so you're not going to be sitting here all night. I was a happy-go-lucky teenager, and I feel today, or I know today, that I was born with a gift of a sense of humor. I think I laughed my way through the miserable teens. I just had a fantastic time. I was raised by two loving parents. I had a father who drank. Uh, some may have thought he had a drinking problem. I really can't tell you that today. His drinking never affected me. When he did drink, he was the funniest man you ever wanted to be around. Sometimes my mother's actions disrupted my brother and I, but my father in his drinking never did. <laughs> we had alcohol in our home at holiday time and special events, and it was a fun, happy thing. So when I met, met Jack and he was drinking, I wasn't afraid of alcohol. It was a fun thing. It was a party thing. And you see, when I was a teenager, I loved to dance. I was one of those jitterbugs. And the only place you could get a live band in those days was in a bar. And I went to the bars and I danced and I laughed and I had a fantastic time. And when I met my, my husband-to-be, Jack, and I will refer to him a lot as I tell my story tonight, I pray God each time I come before the membership or people outside the membership that I tell my reaction to, to uh, Jack's drinking or to John's. And anything that I say to you tonight that has to do with Jack or John or any member of my family, I have been given permission to do so. When I met Jack, it was in a bar, and of course when Jack drank, to me he was uh, Rudolph, Valentino, Fred Astaire, and Bob Hope, all wrapped up into one. He was everything that I really wanted, and, and what was the nicest part about Jack is that he accepted me. See, I was raised in this happy family, but I was born with this humor and a, sense, a little bit of rebellion. I was a little bit different than the rest, and I, for all my life, heard my mother saying, she must take care of your side of the family, and my father saying, no, not mine, she's your side of the family. And I would kind of laugh the two of them off and think, oh, God, where did I come from? And I had this tall, handsome brother who was convinced that I was adopted because he was so good and I was so mischievous. So when I met Jack and he was drinking and he was happy and he was dancing and he was singing and he loved me. And he accepted me for me. And I like that. Uh, I met Jack in December. It was December 2nd. We became engaged in February and married June 1st. To show you how um, mature we were, <laughs> I was 19. Jack was 19. He had to have his mother sign his papers. He wasn't legally old enough. We were parked one night, and um, I was one word away from being a good girl to an instant bad girl. <laughs> And in my day, you just didn't. <laughs> or if you did, God forgive you. Anyway, rather than get into that end of that part of that story, I said to Jack, we better get married. <laughs> I was getting real nervous. So I said, do you want to? He said, yeah, do you? And I said, yeah, but I could ask my mother. And he said, I do too. And this was a Friday night, and we both went home, and uh, we met Saturday morning, and we lived in Peekskill at that time, and we met early in the morning, and he said, can you? And I said, yeah, can you? He said, yeah. I said, wow. <laughs> you know, and here we, now I knew he drank too much, but gosh, 
he's getting me. So he wouldn't need to drink after we were married. We were just going to laugh ourselves silly. <laughs> we were married, and Jack was still in the service, and... Um, my mother and I didn't always have good communication, so she didn't tell me things that I was supposed to know, so I soon became pregnant. <laughs> Started to raise our family, and uh, by the time Jack got out of the service, we bought our own home. We had our first child, Susan, and we, we were about to begin a happy ever after picture that I had in my mind. Uh, Lila talked about being an overachiever I never wanted to be anything but wife and mother. I never wanted to be a career woman. I, I never uh, had any of those hopes. And I really didn't even want to overachieve it at home as a housekeeper either. Uh, if I wanted to overachieve anything was for Jack's approval. When Jack got out of the service, he had to work two jobs and he also went to night school. So I... Uh, I used movies and I used soap operas for a good many years to live my life through and my role model. Um, looking around, I'm sure many of you will understand this part. I didn't know who to become the perfect housewife. I didn't think my mother was the perfect wife. She's a wonderful woman and I love her dearly, but I didn't choose to be the kind of wife that she was because, you see, when my father drank them. So I used Mrs. Miniver, Greer Garson, as my role model. Now, uh, when Jack would come home from work, he had to go and change and get ready to go to the next shift, either school. And I would make sure every day that I would be home in time and I would have his clothes laid out for the next uh, session for him. I would have a hot tub waiting for him. I would never let him see me unless my hair was just so. I had a fresh outfit on. I had an organdy apron and they were and I would have a fresh one on every gum Collins in my hand and I would be at the front door and I now I was trying so hard to be perfect and how much more perfect could you for me I didn't know the word alcoholic I knew nothing about the first drink I just knew I was a helpful mate and I was going to help him do the things that he had actually he took that drink he loved me he got dressed and he went out and he didn't come home I would start to walk the floor and wonder where. I never blamed him in those early days. I used to blame me. I must be doing something wrong. I've got to try a little bit harder. And I tried and I tried. I remember going home on, on Friday night after a while because I got lonely and I got frightened and I got concerned and I started to feel like a failure. And, and I would talk to my father and my mother and father often offered me a way out. And uh, once my father said alcoholic, but I didn't know what that meant. Now, Jack um, would tell me every Sunday, and Jack told me every Sunday for 11 years that he would never drink again, and I believed him. I, I believed everything that Jack said, because I know today, deep down in my heart, I wanted, I wanted what he was saying to be true. I so desperately wanted that. I, I remember at this point feeling total failure and, and no longer finding anything to laugh about. Uh, I remember crying a lot, getting to a point where I was unable to take care of Susan, uh, crying and asking Jack not to do it. You know, if you loved me, you would come home. Just drink when you're with me. I'll meet you on Fridays and we'll drink together. Um, anything that he told me, I'll only drink beer, I would have accepted. Um, if he bought a six-pack, I would drink half of it so he wouldn't have so much, so he would buy two six-packs. Um, 
And as the disease of alcoholism progressed in our home, the emotional illness in me uh, definitely progressed. I, I've often said that Jack had an obsession, a mental obsession, and a physical compulsion to get a drink, and I had a mental obsession. His illness was alcohol, and my illness was him. My every moment started to direct itself, my thinking, my, my sleeping moments, on how I could get him to stop. And I couldn't do it with nice words because he didn't hear me. I started to call bars. In the beginning, I was really interested in where he was. But after a while, I knew that it embarrassed him and it made him angry because he would come home and say, Stop calling those bars. So when he didn't come home, I called the bars. And I called probably in a 50-mile radius. If there's anything that made me angrier was for the bartender to say he's not there because I used to know he was there, and I had to prove that he was there. You see, as, as the disease progressed, um, Jack used to try to prove that, he, that I was wrong, and I was constantly proving to him that I was right. So I had to be right in everything. So I was constantly arguing my right to be right, whether I was right or not, and that caused a lot of arguments in our home. I was carrying our son, John, and... Um, Jack, I called one night at this bar, and, and Mike said, Jack's not here. And I said, well, Mike, when Jack comes in, would you tell him I'm in labor? And um, we lived quite a ways out in the country, and Jack came charging through the front door, and I said, I knew you were there. <laughs> Jack used to come in after one of his drunks, you know. I used to send him to the store for a loaf of bread with a $10 bill, and he'd come back two days later. And it took me years to figure out I was giving him too much money. <laughs> you know, or go get the bread yourself. He came in one night, and, and, you know, we had no money. We were very heavily in debt, and it's taken us years in the program to come out of it. And if you're new and, in, and you're in that kind of a fight, take it one day at a time, one bill at a time, and let me tell you, you do come out of it. I, I know there were times after we got into the program where we had such despair over what had been done. I'd like to tell you that Jack did that to us, but I can't. Probably... Uh, it was a cause and effect sort of thing. Years ago, someone told me that if I kept Jack in debt, he couldn't afford it. So I charged all over New York City and Chicago, any mail order house that was available, I had a charge account in. And in the beginning, I charged uh, to, to get him in debt and for the things that I wanted. I would get bored uh, when he was out at night, and I would redecorate a room. Uh, there were times when I wanted new clothes and I would start a fight so he would drink so I would have an ex And then after a while, as the disease uh, progressed in our home, I used those charges for forgiveness with our children. I used the charges to buy them clothes, to buy them everything, the, the latest fad, so that when they walked down the street, the neighbors would think they were just blocked. At Christmas time, I wanted our kids to have anything that they asked imagine. Our living room used to look like Macy's, and just once, once a year, I wanted parents. And once a year, the kids on the block did that. However, it really didn't cushion the pain of the rest of when there was tremendous violence at home. You see, I went from a fun-loving woman to one who was so frustrated. I threw things, and it didn't. That's why the picture window was broken. He would come home and demand his dinner, and I would throw it. He would duck, and it would go through the window. Only through God's grace and poor aim is Jack here this weekend. When it came to the second step, the insanity part of my story was very obvious to me. 
because there are things that I've done that I don't share with you. But it was, it's definitely the end. I remember stealing his car one time from a bar and putting our, uh, the speaker this afternoon reminded me of uh, how she put her children in jeopardy um, when she was drinking. And I did the same thing with my children when I was emotionally ill. He was in a bar, and Friday nights he didn't always come home, and he had his friends, and he had a carpool, and I came to this bar, and I stole his car. And I had the children in it, and, of course, I beeped the horn, and I said to all of them, they're all construction workers, have a good walk home. Honest, I, I had such a nerve, I was a crazy lady. And then after I pulled out of the parking lot, I got frightened, because as I was violent sometimes, he, um, I will say his violence was treasonous. And I got scared. And I went home to get some clothes, and I was going to escape with the kids for the weekend in town. And as I was coming back through town, I, I saw Jack and the men, and I, I can hear John now saying, Mom, I've got bubbles in my stomach, I've got bubbles. And I just said, sit down and don't move, they'll go away. And it's been years and years before his stomach. But at the time, I didn't know. All I was trying to do, I realized today, love me and not that book. I, I was doing, I was like a woman trying to survive, and I didn't know how to survive. I went to lawyers, I went to, I went to my parents, I went to anyone that I thought could give me help. I went to anyone that ca carried a Bible because I thought they had a direct line with God. Ask them. And then the, the priests and the ministers, they would say, pray. And I was ashamed to pray because the, the God of my childhood I felt was punishing me for something I certainly should be punished for. I couldn't live with him, and I couldn't live with even divorcing him, and I knew I wasn't capable of time. So the only way that I, I really believe that I didn't kill him, um, so when it came to me realizing I was deeply affected and mentally ill, I all of these people I went to, no one said alcoholism, no one said AA, no one said Al-Anon. No one gave me a way to stay. Yet I went to a convention similar to this, and I had joy. And in the story, there was a And when this woman saw that I had locked up inside of me, and a peace came over me that I feel that the God of my understanding came, and if you benefit from my life. I, I remember coming home, and there was a change in me, and there was a change in my Al-Anon program. I no longer went to meetings and said, Al-Anon has given me the ability to take an inventory of my it has given me the, uh, the uh, found out in my inventory that I, I found in my inventory, you know, the slugs. And that's okay to be in. There's probably more mugs in this room. I was to watch my son come home, and I knew that I was a, I used to say, well, Mom has plenty of pressure. When John was coming home, I could be drinking. We never wanted But if any member of my family, I said, it's still so new to me, and I not to sit and wallow in it and destroy my own life because of it. It gave me the courage when I set out for a new career because my husband became disabled. As I told you, I was not one that wanted to become a facility wrapped up in those soft boxes and not doing too much help. He has me working in New York City, just even though inwardly I'm scared. And, and I, I marvel at that. Now, you know you've got a dummy on your hands. You this article, so you just get to work. And you would, well, you've been reading them. He's doing some pretty good work. And I found out. My disability is accepting that I have the built things, and I'm learning to do that. God has given me the ability.
ability to. I was the type of woman that couldn't leave the fitness world by myself, and I had, when I went to work in New York City, it frightened me to death. You see, it was in a little Dutch community, 75 Hatton. So not everyone from New Yorker is a seasoned New Yorker. I still look people in the eyes, and I sit and paralyze that. It's scared to death. No! Hey, I put a newspaper under my arm, and I go down Park Avenue, and you wouldn't know that I was at one. God has given me a good life, and the 12 steps of that. I have made a list of all the people I've harmed, and I've made direct amends. I made direct amends to my parents for the night out, and I gave me the ability to say sometimes, being that parent, I have. Hey, do you want my opinion or my confirmation? If you want my opinion, then you're going to get it. They know that I'm open, and there isn't any subject that I care. It's such an open, warm, loving home today. But they bring their friends home. And I must tell you that it continues to be my. It continues to allow me. John went when in. And he stood there in our living room and he was full of arrogance and he was full of anger. And this was a man who made it. This was a man who was capable. This was a man that was trying to manipulate his mother for years. He to deal with John through the Al-Anon program and someone said to me, take it all. And that night that he stood living room was trying to get a reaction. Because we had been able to deal with it on and not take the responsibility for it, we didn't react to it. And when he left, I said to him, John, remember, no matter where, I also knew in my heart, times when the pain can get so hard, so painful for me, that I can, in my prayer and meditation, God will reinforce me. <clears throat> he will give me the strength and the prayer. But instead, I heard, <clears throat> I started to, I knew that Jack was in there, so and I only thought, it's giving me the ability to be, to take that humor, that precious, I'm going to close now with a few Today, instead of hiding in the shadow of alcohol, Al-Anon has given me the ability to stand. Al-Anon has given our daughter to her to stand up and live in them. John is over in AA and will be married in July. And he's an exciting young man. I've enjoyed his sobriety. And you know, it was exciting to hear him say, Aaron supported me 100%. And we did. We even supported him. We even put the wedding on, even though we knew it was me. And today he, he is bright and he's smiling and he's not to resist the temptation to give our life. But we can. He gave us our first mouth. He never gave us a moment's not problem. Fantastic sense of humor. He would say, hi, Mom. Hi, Dad. And it was through my involvement in Alateen that I was. I realized that she had. We then had to start reaching out and hugging her. I remember meeting her on the stairs and hugging her and taking her in my arms and saying, please, and say, I know it, Mother. And I didn't take that as a rejection. I continued to hug, and that was through the Alateen program, and it got years. And then Karen was able to openly express love to the family. And today, Karen is fever. She's a chiropractor. We have Carol Ann, who's 16, going on 17, driving her father and mother. Oh, my God. Carol wasn't affected by her father. And there was something wrong in our communication, and we could, I come to a fork in the road, and it's time for me to make a choice that every member in our family has at one time in their life, so in the road, one of them will speak up and say, hey, and she was coming with us, but since she got the invitation, she got a vacation, and she has money in the bank, and she's totally choked, so me to mother and father again for a Our team has given each of our children <clears throat> a program 